0: It seems to me that in the old days of radio, and I'm going back again to the forties and fifties, the executives, whether men like Guy Della Chapa or Harry Ackerman or whomever, were men with an experience in and a feeling for the theatrical end of the business as opposed to the business end of radio. There was a wonderful meeting of the minds when you went in and said you wanted to do such and such a kind of show. They could they could picture and understand and either agree or disagree with what you had in mind, but they knew what you were talking about. It was really extraordinarily easy to get a conference or a meeting with the uh, then-CBS brass. Usually it was one man or two men, and that one man or those two men said yes or no to your idea and... You either went with it or didn't. There was no feeling of committee and that somebody upstairs would say yes or no.
1: Remember, a Hallmark card will best express your perfect taste, your thoughtfulness.
2: The makers of Hallmark greeting cards bring you tonight a dramatic tribute to Thanksgiving... Why keep your heart in cold storage, starring Van Heflin.
3: In September, Bob Hope reclaimed his Tuesday night time slot, and NBC's Philip Marlowe Radio Adventures were over. 1947 was a good year for Heflin. Green Dolphin Street hit theaters in November. It co-starred Lana Turner and was that year's biggest MGM hit.
1: You know, we all have so many troubles and spend so much time thinking about them all year long. It's a real pleasure to pause on Thanksgiving Day and think of the many, many blessings we have to be thankful for. And among the greatest blessings we have are our friends and loved
3: ones. On Thanksgiving, he guest starred on an episode of Radio Reader's Digest called Why Keep Your Heart in Cold Storage. The Sending of Christmas Cards. It was well received.
1: Here, if you want to send cards that are recognized for their beauty and distinction and by the wonderful way they have of saying what is in your heart, a store that carries Hallmark cards. And now to preside over our program, here is your Hallmark host, Les Tremaine.
2: Thank you, Tom, Shirley, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we bring you a star whose life reads like an adventure story. South America, Mexico, Honolulu, Alaska, the South Seas, the Orient, all have been ports of call for Van Heflin. Then he saw still more of the world during his three years in the Air Corps and came back to thrill American movie audiences in such pictures as Till the Clouds Roll By and Possessed. And Van, we're happy to have you with us tonight. You know, we've been told that the sort of movie part you like is something good and something different.
4: Well, We believe our story tonight just fits your prescription. Yes, it does, Les. Even the title. Why keep your heart in cool storage? By the way, that advice might very well lead to Hallmark cards. (laughs) You're ahead of me, Van. I was going to uh, lead up to the subject of Hallmark and those three words that assure folks of getting the best greeting cards. You don't have to tell me, Les. I know. You turn the card over and look on the back for those three identifying words. A Hallmark card. And those three little words, a Hallmark card... Tell your friends you cared enough
2: to send the very best. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Hallmark greeting cards bring you a wonderful story of one man's Thanksgiving as they present on the Reader's Digest Radio Edition, Why Keep Your Heart in Cold Storage, starring Van Heflin.
4: This all happened last November. Last November, I was just out of the army. And out of work, too. Ever been in that condition? It made me act in a way I never acted before. I got so my eyes avoided people. My shoulders were hunched over. And no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't smile with more than one side of my face at a time. Not that I tried very hard. What I had in my soul, I, I had bitterness, that's what. All right, that's the way it was with me. I was hitching rides one day, and when no rides came, I uh, went up to the door of this tiny farmhouse on Highway 63. Hello, son. Oh, uh, have you got a room I could sleep in tonight? Why, certainly, son. Come in. Uh, Wait a minute. I, uh, I can't pay. I said come in, son. Okay. Sit down. Thanks, are you hungry? Did you hear me when I said that I didn't have any money? You hear me when I ask if you were hungry? No. Are you? Yes, but I haven't any money. Well, there's cheese on the table and bread. And well, here's a pitcher of milk. You're a pretty wonderful guy, you know, right? Thanks. Was it uh, Army or Navy? Army. Work since you were out? <laughs> About two days. Odd jobs. That's strange. Didn't you have a job before you went in the army? I didn't go back to it. That's very interesting. Interesting? Yes, if you didn't go back to a job that was waiting for you, this was in your hometown, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it's very interesting that a young fellow like you wouldn't want to go back to his hometown. Say, uh, I like you all right, mister, but uh, you're pretty curious, aren't you? Yes, it's my greatest virtue. 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 I didn't go back home because nobody wanted me back home. Parents? Parents? Yeah, two of them. And they don't want you? No. Nope. Girlfriend? Not anymore. That's ah, too bad. Now, whose fault was it you broke up? Oh, it was my fault. I let the Army draft me, didn't I? I? went away. I went to all those foreign places for a vacation without her. The Solomons, New Guinea, the Russell Islands. It was my fault. Jealous, aren't you? I am not jealous. My mistake. More milk? No, thanks. Look, uh, could I see that uh, room that you were going to lend me? Ah, that's right this way. You're tired already. I slept three hours last night in a barn. Well, here's a room. It's a good bed, I think. (sighs) Looks wonderful to me. I'll leave you. Be sure to sleep well. You'll need your strength tomorrow. For what? For the job I'm going to get you. Good night.
3: But MGM would no longer allow Heflin to play Marlowe he continued to appear on radio into the 1950s.
5: It was hot, boiling hot that night. I wanted to grab a beer and turn in early. So what happens? I get my beer, but with it comes a gunshot, a beautiful woman in trouble,
6: and murder. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of Crime Mysteries, CBS presents his most famous character, brought to you now in... The Adventures of Philip Marlowe.
3: A new Hollywood agent, Ray Stark, went to work for Chandler in 1948, and in September, a revived Philip Marlowe series began a two-year run on CBS, this time starring Gerald Moore. Moore played King Leopardi in the summer series version of The King in Yellow. He'd done movie work, but his face was basically unknown to most radio listeners.
5: There was a rough desert wind blowing into Los Angeles that evening.
3: Chandler preferred his voice, which he thought Ana, packed more punch.
5: the mountain passes and curl your hair and make your nerves jump and your skin itch. On nights like that, every booze party ends in a fight, and meek little housewives feel the edge of a carving knife and study their husbands' necks. Anything can happen when the Santa Ana blows in from the desert. I closed up my office early. I got tired of reading Philip Marlowe, Private Investigator, backwards on the ground glass of my office door. So I locked up and decided a nice cold beer would taste good before I went up to my apartment.
3: Norman McDonald was in charge of the production.
5: Marlowe. Marlowe. Marlowe's a fish.
0: I would truly enjoy going back to the old days of being completely involved in radio. There was a marvelous feeling of going home after you finished your day's work and indeed finished your program and sitting down and saying boy i liked what happened today i liked the show we did i feel good about it and being able to sit there sometimes if it was tape delay or something and hear your own show was a great sense of satisfaction the beauty of course was that the next morning you got up and started on the script for the following day or two days later or five days later and you we're starting a whole new world all over again, which he wanted to deliver in three days and had to be confined to 29 minutes and 30 seconds. And this, I think, was the beauty of radio.
3: Chandler made a list of suggestions for the show's writers. Don't always let Marlowe have the last word. Don't make him utter knee-jerk wisecracks. Don't let him gloat. For the most part, Moore's Marlowe always got the last word. They added quick one-liners and gloated. CBS paid Chandler $250 per week, roughly $3k today. That amount was raised to $400 if the series found the sponsor, which it briefly did with both Wrigley's Spearmint Gum and Ford. On CBS, Marlowe took up the commercial slack with product placement. Cars were Nash's, gas stations pumped mobile, Phil reached for Johnny Walker and Lifesaver's candy. As he drove around L.A., he found a handy way to keep track of addresses, their proximity to an Arthur Murray dance studio. Even Chandler got a plug in the hairpin turn.
5: Hey, uh, Buster, where's the phone? Oh, right over there, sir. Good book? Uh, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, great. Chandler's new one, you know. Chandler. Chandler. <laughs> Where have I heard that name before?
3: On April 11th, 1950, William Conrad subbed for Gerald Moore. Get this and get it straight.
4: Crime is a sucker's road. And those who travel it wind up in the gutter, the prison, or the grave. This time, a platinum wristwatch, a body on a lonely strip of beach, and a case of heart failure in a Beverly Hills garage, all added up to blackmail,
6: 25 years old, and a killer who would never be caught. It happened like this. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of crime fiction, comes his most famous character in The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. In just a moment, tonight's story. But first, a message from the Ford dealers of America. The whole country's talking about the great 1950 Ford.
3: Sometime around 1950, head of CBS William Paley said the network should develop a Philip Marlowe in the Old West, a no-nonsense, tough-as-nails frontier saga unlike any cowboy show ever heard. The show would be called Gunsmoke and debut in 1952 starring William Conrad. It was directed by Norman MacDonald and generally considered the best radio western of all time. The Adventures of Philip Marlowe was canceled in September of 1950, but revived the following July for a summer run. The final CBS Philip Marlowe adventure was on September 15th, 1951.
6: Now, here again is the star of our show, Gerald Moore. Thanks, Roy. Ladies
5: and gentlemen, boys and girls, tonight's broadcast concludes our current series of The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. I understand it won't be very long until we meet again. So until we do, we won't say goodbye. But just so long. See you soon. Hm. I still wonder what Rita's doing tonight. <laughs>
6: lovable, laughable My Friend Irma starring blonde Marie Wilson is back on CBS Radio Sunday evenings now. She'll move in tomorrow night at most of these same CBS radio stations, bringing her skeptical roommate, Jane, her permanently jobless boyfriend, L, Professor Kropotkin, and all the others. Be listening for My Friend Irma tomorrow night, won't you? That address again? Why, sure! CBS, CBS, the Star's Address, the Star's Address, where you always hear the best at CBS, CBS, the Star's Address, the Star's Address, CBS. Stay tuned now for Gangbusters, which follows immediately over most of these same CBS stations. And remember, Steve Allen is here with songs for sale every Saturday on CBS Radio. Roy Rowan speaking, this is the CBS Radio Network.